This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You are you now are listening, listening to. to. What's up, War Report family? We are back with another great edition of the Auburn Express, powered by the War Report. Joining me this Wednesday, as always, is Brandy Mack and Auburn Memes. Guys. Auburn baseball fell to Arkansas by a lot. It was a blowout. And although it wasn't the ending we were expecting to the season, uh, I still think it was a pretty successful year. Um, But I want to start talking a little bit about the performance in in Arkansas. I mean, in, in Omaha. Treat your boys. Chill Boys underwear is designed for maximum comfort with enough space to keep you cool, calm, and comfortable. Chill Boys underwear will help you keep the boys close, uh, not too close. When the game is on the line, you won't break a sweat with Chill Boys underwear. Whether it's left boy, right boy, or both boys, Chill Boys provides your boys comfort like you've never felt. Visit chillboys.com and use code RAPPORT, that's R-A-P-P-O-R-T, and get 15% off of your order. Maximize your chill with Chill Boys. I think, uh, in my opinion, Auburn definitely underwhelmed on this stage. Uh, The loss to Ole Miss um, and the blowout to Arkansas, uh, both in conference rivals in the tournament, uh, was pretty disappointing that they couldn't find a way to wake the the, uh, the bats up at least a little during, uh, during those two games. Brandy, I mean, the over-under, I think, going into tonight's game uh, against Arkansas was around 10 runs. Yeah, I think it was like 11, 11 and a half, something yeah, like that. Yeah, and, and, and the over hit, but but Arkansas scored all the runs. <laughs> yeah, Arkansas hit the over on their own. Mm. So, uh, statistically speaking, you know, how good or bad is this performance by Auburn? Um, statistically speaking, this is a really poor performance by Auburn. Tonight, especially, I think the most, I think they said this on the broadcast tonight, the most strikeouts a starting pitcher had in Omaha was 10 and Arkansas starting pitcher. I believe he ended with nine strikeouts. Mm. Pretty embarrassing on that front. Um, You know, our bats just got really cold. We saw that happen in the Ole Miss game. Um, I think we said this last week, Stanford was overrated. So I kind of expected us to win that game. Um, And then tonight happened and it was just a blowout and you can't win a game if you don't hit the ball, and we didn't hit the ball tonight. We really didn't. Was uh was Sonny D's performance in Omaha disappointing? I know he's you know SEC Player of the Year, all the all these accolades, um, you know, but your 
your your big players are supposed to show up on the biggest stages. Uh, was he a no-show in Omaha? Yeah, you know, he he kind of was a no-show in Omaha. He had, what, two hits, all of all of Omaha. Um, and for somebody that, you know, broke a home run record for your school this year, um, you know, that's kind of was disappointing, you know, expected him to get on base more um, and definitely expected him to hit the ball more, make more contact. And we didn't see that in Omaha. Mm. Memes, uh, you were planning on making the trip out to Omaha, but didn't make it. Tell the truth. As somebody who saw Auburn football lose the national championship in 2013 live in person, how happy or unhappy are you that you didn't head out to Omaha? Well, I said I said that if they had if they had won out and we're gonna make it to next weekend, I was hundred percent gonna make that 13 and a half hour drive. Mm. The experience would have been awesome. I'm not gonna lie, it would have been painful then. It would have been painful if I'd bitten the bullet and made it out there this past weekend. So it's tough to say, is it worth it? Is it not? I've been fortunate for, well, the two big away games that I've had for extremes of highs and lows. We had Starkville in 2012 for football. And we had Dallas in 2019 for football. And <clears throat> I guess, you know, I could I can hindsight say there's ones that I wish I could take back and there's ones that I would definitely do over and, you know, I don't want to say I wouldn't be there for my guys because I'm a ride or die. I'll always be there for them. So that's what we're sticking with. I'd have been there. We'd always been there. Props to all the fans that did make it. Um, I wish I did. But, hey, what, what I'm really looking forward to is, like, the pace is there. Auburn's going to be back. Mm. Brandy, you were one of the fans that made it. Uh, you attended one of these games. Uh, what was your experience in Omaha, and how were the Auburn fans out there? Yeah, I went um, in 2019 to Omaha, but didn't get to see Auburn play in there. They were there. I just didn't get to see them play. But yeah, I went to the game this weekend. I went to the Saturday game versus Ole Miss. Me and my mom decided last minute in the middle of the day on Friday that we were going to make the drive up. So we drove. she drove up from Montgomery to meet me in Nashville. And then we drove up to Omaha Friday, then Saturday morning. And got into Omaha around 2 or so, and the game started at 6. And... Went to Rocco's Pizza, which everybody has probably seen on Twitter, the massive trending jello shot contest mm. between all the fan bases, which Arkansas and Ole Miss are handedly leading. Um, so I took some of the money that I took all of the money that Auburn Twitter sent me and purchased 41 jello shots. Um, so shout out Auburn Twitter for that. Wow. Um, did not take all of those myself, but, um, but yeah, so in terms of Auburn fans traveling, there were, we did have some great fans there and a good fan base showing. But when you look at the amount of Auburn fans that were there compared to other fan bases, it was really underwhelming. There were significantly more Arkansas and Ole Miss fans there and a good amount of Texas and Texas A&M fans there. I would say we probably had around the same amount of fans as Texas A&M. Um, and we definitely had more fans than Stanford. Definitely had more fans than Notre Dame. So I was a little underwhelmed by the amount of fans that did show, but was very thankful for those that did make the trip out there. And I'm hoping, you know, with us going in 2019 and now again in 2022, if we make it back to Omaha in the near future, I'm hoping we get to see more Auburn fans there. Yeah, these tournaments are always tough, right? Like there's a decision that you have to make about which games you want to go see. And if you had to choose, you would definitely choose the championship game, but it's a tournament. So they may not make it that far. And if you do go 
and you lose, you at least want to go to the games that you win. Um, I think college, the college football playoff has kind of created that um, conundrum for fans about which game to go see if the uh, semis aren't uh, local or regional to you. It's very difficult to travel across the country to see a playoff game, you know, and then maybe across the country again to see the national championship, depending on where you're located. Uh, 2013, I remember it feeling like a home game in the Rose Bowl for Auburn. And that leads me to my next point uh, because you brought it up. How much do you think maybe the lack of fan presence played into the performance that we saw in Omaha? Yeah. I mean, whenever your batter is up at the plate and has, you know, full count or has two strikes and all you hear from the stands are clapping because they want their pitcher to get that third strike to strike out the opposing team, which is your team's player. Um, I would think, yeah, it does play a significant role. And especially on Saturday, that first game, Ole Miss was loud and they made their presence known very well. Um, it's, you know, yeah, I think it did make a difference. And I, I wish there were more Auburn fans there. I was loud. Um, I don't know if you can tell, but my, my voice is a little scraggly today. And that's because I was loud mm. at that game on Saturday. So, um, yeah, it makes a difference. So th the tough part is, is Omaha is such a small city. And when, when you compare it to other larger cities that may host, you know, a college football playoff it's a small city so finding flights in and out are pretty tough and finding lodging is really the hardest part um and so I, I understand that it's tough to travel and it is a far away from Auburn but I'm hoping as the program continues to grow and get better that we can start getting more fans there um in the future memes I was checking out Twitter and um there were a lot of Auburn fans that were bemoaning not only the loss, but who we lost to. So what is the Twitter fallout so far from from this loss to Arkansas? Well, Albert, <clears throat> Arkansas Twitter is no uh <clears throat> they're no Auburn, but they're definitely they're definitely there and they they'll come out of the woodwork. Uh, I kind of think think of like a cockroach. Like you don't really see them when the lights <laughs> out, but in the dark <laughs> they uh they'll they'll just you, you realize they're everywhere. So kind of like that. But uh, I, I will say I've been really happy to see that our fan base is out here and just being really optimistic surrounding the guys. There's definitely some uh, Arkansas folks we're going to have to deal with in a little bit later time. But, I mean, it's tough because it was great to see <clears throat> it was great to see everybody really rally, rally behind this team. And it's great to see that social media presence really kind of get around them too. And it's something that helps raise awareness for what the baseball team's doing. And I, I know I sound like a broken record when I say this, but this is all – just one more step to being the everything school. Mm. And it's great that we're really getting there because Auburn baseball had a very, very loyal following. That was really kind of the core perpetuator of the brand. And now you're starting to see more people jump on that, just how, what was going on with basketball. So it's really good to kind of see that love spreading outside of just exclusively being for football. Yeah. You may, you raise a good point. I I've always been of the opinion that, uh, I felt like this at the end of basketball season that the team still deserves the appreciation of the fans in these moments, because uh, even making it to Omaha is an accomplishment. I know that it wasn't the ending. A lot of people were expecting, but it's still an accomplishment to get there and win a game on that stage. Uh, you know, when we got put out in the um, round of 32 in the NCAA tournament in basketball, 
I was a little disappointed by the reaction to some of the fans. I know expectations were high going into the tournament. Auburn had garnered a number one ranking at some point during the season. They held on to it for a little bit. They won the SEC regular season championship. Disappointing show in the SEC tournament, but ultimately it was a really good season, Uh, which uh, brings me to my next point about where Auburn baseball goes from here. So uh, fans are positive about the direction. I wouldn't say that over the last 30 years, we've been accused of being a baseball school. Uh, Now we've had some good baseball players come through certainly, but you know, in terms of accomplishments on the field and in win loss record, I I don't think Auburn would would be considered a baseball school. Um, How important is this to the perception of the program and helping Bush Thompson recruit moving forward? I think this is pretty massive for the program. So no, we aren't historically a baseball school, but we have produced some really great baseball names. We have had a um, draft prospect go number one overall, Casey Mize in the MLB draft. Um, We've had greats play here like David Ross, who's the manager of the Cubs now, and Tim Hudson, who's our current pitching coach and was a great pitcher for the Braves during his career. Um, and we did get our first win since 1997 in Omaha. So that was huge. Um, in 2019, we lost both of the games that we played there. That was really disappointing. But now here in 2022, we lost the first game. We bounced back and won the second game. Unfortunately, our season ended because we lost the game against Arkansas. But the fact that we were able to bounce back and win one game, and we hadn't done that since 1997, was was huge for the program. Young athletes need the tools for success on the field and on the court. And now more than ever, in the arena of business. In the new era of name, image, and likeness, Athletic Architects is here for young athletes and parents to help prepare for your financial futures. Let Athletic Architects start helping you build your house. Visit buildthehouse.com and let's build together. Mm. I heard a cool story about Butch Thompson reaching out to some previous coaches who who made runs uh, in in the uh, College World Series tournament about how they managed the moment, you know, facing elimination. Uh, they would have had to have won four straight games to take this title, and that would have been an extreme accomplishment. Uh, winning four straight uh, under the face uh, under the threat of elimination every single game was going to be difficult. I don't, I don't have the history on that. I don't know how many teams have actually like lost the first game uh, of the college world series and then won out to win it all. Uh, But he was pretty emotional after the win. And uh, in the post game, you know, I listened to to what he had to say and he just kind of expressed that, you know, he said, I just want us to fight. I want us to attack. And that's all I can really ask for from our guys. Now, I will tell you, I felt like in the losses, they did not attack. And it it just seemed like they were staring at pitches and there were a lot of just a lot of indecision at the plate. Um, I could be off base. I'm not I'm not a huge baseball guy, but it just <clears throat> seemed like um, they were waiting on the moment more than seizing it for a lot of this tournament. And it caught up with them. Means, what do you think? Well, I know, I know Brandy had kind of teased at the, the statistics and just saying how they weren't good. And I think the, the biggest elephant in the room there by far is just really 
since Corvallis has just been the hitting. <clears throat> I mean, even with Oregon State, I mean, you won that last game with what was it, like three, I think three hits, three hits. Yeah, three hits. And even with the win against Stanford, I mean, it wasn't like it was a Florida State type of turnout with the hitting. So I don't know how much of that has to do with just the traveling because Auburn hosted a regional. They're playing at home. They're playing later games. So maybe that mojo just really propelled them. But you look at what happened to the SEC tournament. You get this huge flash at home. Then you've got just a dogfight on the road. And then here you are in Omaha with the same type issues to where they're just some of those droughts. And like I said, I, I don't know enough about the innards of baseball to really say like what was going on in the dugout, what was the coaching strategy behind it. So I'm definitely not going to pretend to be that guy when it comes to that, but you just really look at, you look at the result that was out there and we definitely just, you, you didn't really see like, I guess you didn't really feel like you saw a lot of that fight that you right. would think like, Hey, this is what it really all comes down to. You're seeing some errors. You're just seeing some, some field play that was probably a little less than desirable than what we would have wanted with everything on the line like that. So it definitely stinks. I mean, it, it really does. You'd really wish it was, you felt like they went out fighting I and mean, obviously 11 to one is not the final score you really want to see at the, at the end of it all. But like I said, I mean, it's, it's still to be the biggest takeaway of this is how big the season was and what it means. And this baseball team, overachieved a lot and I think that's really worth noting where they were projected to be at the beginning of the season is what Auburn has done as a whole with that basketball gymnastics and baseball especially were not hyped up to have the seasons they did and go as far in their postseasons as they did and I think that's really worth noting how big that is not just for those sports individually but Auburn as a whole and that's something that they can build momentum on all the programs and especially with NIL, just how much of that attention that drives to Auburn. I think that's going to be a perpetuating will. And I think the success of one program is going to start overflowing into others more so than it ever has. And this is one of the big moves that will help get that wheel spinning. You know, uh, I got two more questions for you guys. Number one, does this, loss feel better if it's an epic like seven to six battle where where there's offense and great pitching you know does the 11 to one result kind of take the wins out of your sail a little bit yeah I mean this was oh man just watching that beat down was was not fun from start to finish and they got after us early they scored one in the first inning and then after that we it really in just it. opened up because they had uh, our starting pitcher tonight pitched almost 30. I think he did actually pitch th- almost 30 pitches in the first inning. Barnett. There was one guy at bat for Arkansas who had a 12 pitch at bat. Oh, and so, goodness. I mean, from wow. the very beginning, they just came out swinging and came out fighting. And you didn't see our guys at the plate do that same thing. And same in the Ole Miss game. Like any time an Ole Miss player got up to bat, they were fighting to get a hit, fighting to stay at the plate. And we just never saw that from our guys this weekend. And this was kind of the cherry on top of what we saw start to happen in Corvallis. And so while a six to seven or, you know, one score game would have been so exciting and it would have still sucked to have lost something like that. I think this kind of 
I think this shows the coaching staff, like, Hey, we have stuff we need to work on. And sure. uh, this is what we're going to be doing in the off season, because we cannot be embarrassed on the national stage like this again, because what happened today was embarrassing. And they had some pretty crazy pitcher rotation too. Cause yeah. wasn't, it, wasn't it the sixth inning? They were on their fourth or fifth pitcher for Auburn. That is. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, they had to pull Barnett from the game pretty early. Yeah. Uh, and that throws a lot of things off. Uh, you know, Thompson mentioned that uh, in the win against Oregon State and, uh, you know, in the subsequent win against um, Stanford about like, you know, when uh, if, if something had happened, they didn't really have a backup plan because Burkhalter is a stud. He's a complete ace. And after the game was over, I was like, man, it's too bad. We couldn't have like started him. <laughs> I know he's a closer, <laughs> but good God, uh, they tagged up every pitcher we put in that game. Uh, so it, it, it was very difficult to watch, I think. And, you know, for me, moving forward, I, I'm with you. I think that that really shows that they have some things that they need to work on, uh, primarily offense, offensively and something to focus on in recruiting. Now, baseball recruiting might be a little different, but, uh, you know, you, you, you got to have offense in this tournament is what I saw. There were a lot of very high scoring games. And if you're going to go out there and score three runs, there are not too many games you could win in this tournament, no matter how good your pitching was. So just, you know, that's how I feel about it, Brandy. Yeah, I mean, it's actually kind of crazy, this College World Series. Um, no game has been won by one run. Mm. And that is pretty insane. No game has been won by two runs. And I want to say no game has been won by three runs either. Wow. So almost every game in this College World Series, actually every game in this College World Series has kind of been a blowout. Um, and the home team, that's like the home team of the game, hasn't won either. And that's also really interesting. So it's been a really weird College World Series. But but yeah, like you said, a lot to work on, whether that comes down to recruiting or just coaching-wise on the, on the hitting front. And... We saw it. I just felt like we saw a totally different team at behind the plate um, this weekend, Omaha, and this week than we did in regionals. Yeah, I'm I'm looking here, and I think you're right. Um, the first games were on Friday, June 17th, and the closest margin of victory, from what I can see, was four runs. Four runs was the closest margin of victory. Um, so that that's tough. Again, if you if you didn't score, you weren't going to win. That's the bottom line. And that's been the story so far in Omaha is, is that if you're not going to put at least six to seven runs on the board, you're going to have a hard time winning any game the way teams are hitting in this tournament, uh, especially if your pitcher is not the one, you know, tossing the great game. Uh, I want to close out by talking a little bit about the SEC showing in this tournament. Now, we had a strong presence. Uh, in the tournament and in Omaha, uh, I think we've seen the meteoric, meteoric rise of the SEC in basketball. Uh, football success is well documented. But is the SEC now uh, moving a little bit towards the premier baseball conference? Like how close how close is the SEC uh, to gaining ground on the traditionally uh, better conferences in baseball? It's, I mean, everything, everything conference at this point, let's yeah. be real. I mean, Auburn has taken the Pac-12 just and buried them in everything. 
We did it with Oregon. We did it with Stanford. Let it be known here. Auburn owns the Pac-12. And I guess by transitive property, the SEC now owns the Pac-12. Okay. But yeah, I mean, the SEC West, especially, let's be real, just shouting out, you know, shouting out our side of it. And that's going to be interesting to see just with how much presence there was with the SEC West and other dominance of other sports. Some of the, and this can kind of segue to some more conversations, getting playing a little 3D chess here, but with SEC realignment, if they start saying like, hey, this is just getting to be so loaded, especially on one side of it, what does that look like moving forward? But yeah, right. it's, it's definitely wild to see. I, I don't think a lot of people had that uh, SEC dominant, dominant in Omaha on their bingo card uh, even a month ago. For sure. Hey, Beams, it's worth noting that two other teams that made this tournament are Will joining be in the, the SEC. SEC. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so yeah, the Pac-12, which, I mean, let's be real. When Stanford saw Auburn in there, I mean, that was an L. Like, they should have already known, like, that wasn't going to happen. We know how Auburn is mm. with the Pac-12. They deserved it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, zero, zero minutes of lost sleep over that. So you had Stanford as your outlier. So I guess you've got Texas, Oklahoma. Oh, was there another team I'm forgetting that was in the at Omaha that was not in the SEC? Mm, I mean, you had uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Notre Dame. That's yeah. Yep. See ya. So. Mm, yeah, I mean it's it was uh, it was a good show. I mean there's a there's a likely chance that we could see uh, champion. I know Vanderbilt has uh, from the SEC. I know Vanderbilt has traditionally been pretty good at baseball as well too. Uh, so just a bunch of really good teams. Um, well, this Mississippi State's bread and butter is baseball. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're defending national champions. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then let's not forget Tennessee, who was supposed to win it all isn't that, isn't that, what, isn't that what i was told for a long time i they're think the like fans our, they're like our alabama of baseball right like god they were their fans and the team itself was just they called it like attitude or whatever oh we just got spirit like it's not spirit you guys just suck yeah tennessee i think fans. the funniest thing i saw on twitter was a Tennessee beat reporter saying that Tennessee was six and one against the remaining SEC teams that were in Omaha. And it's like, okay, hang your banner. Congratulations. Wow, yeah. <laughs> Tennessee fans wake up every day trying to tell themselves it's just a bad dream. Mm, well, I think uh, the Auburn Tigers will probably wake up uh, tomorrow morning uh, with a little bit of the same feeling after an 11 to one uh, beatdown to buy Arkansas. I think Arkansas was just a better team, but there are brighter days ahead for Auburn sports. As always, I want to thank Brandy Mack and Auburn Means for joining me on this edition of the Auburn Express powered by the War Report. Until next time, guys, War Eagle. War Eagle. You are now listening to the 